Hey guys, it's Becca. I am so excited for you to hear this week's episode. Our guest is Nina Patterson. She is my physical therapist and running enabler. I first came across Nina several years ago at a race um, and sort of was introduced to her by some of uh, my endurance friends locally who just swore by this miracle worker physical therapist. Um, who just was doing amazing things to keep them going. I had gotten to the point where I'd been dealing with an injury training for a major race for a few months, been to a few different physical therapists and massage therapists and nothing was helping. And I was starting to question whether I could do the race. Um, so I finally went and saw Nina, was able to get in with her and one visit, no joke, she had me back on the road. Now it took a little bit more to get me, to keep me going, um, but just, that was just, an amazing experience just to see the ability that she has to heal and since then she's helped me recover from a major bike accident and just been a big cheerleader and supporter of mine and she is of the entire endurance community um, here in northern Colorado. We're also um, both Cornell grads so we've got that in common and she is just super smart and has so much wisdom to share with you today. So enough of me babbling, let's get to our interview. Hi guys, I'm so excited to have my physical therapist, Nina Patterson here with us today. She is amazing. She keeps so many of us in the Northern Colorado endurance community out there on our feet and on our wheels doing what we love. And I think you guys are gonna learn so much from her today. So thank you, Nina, for taking the time to join us. Would you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, so I've been a physical therapist for oh, a quarter century or more at this point. Um, second career, I actually started off as a mechanical engineer. So I worked as an engineer for six or seven years and, and then decided to meld a lot of my passions together, coaching and teaching and the love of being active. And I always hated the answer or the, the answer when I talked to a physician or a physical therapist and they would say, well, stop doing that. And I don't like that answer. I don't want to stop. I want to keep going. So one thing led to the other and I ended up in physical therapy school and I was in uh, California at the time. Worked there for well, a long time and had a big practice um, and then moved to Colorado about five years ago. So here I am in Fort Collins and loving the endurance community as you so well put it. Um, it's a great community to be in. And then with respect to, we're going to focus a, a lot on physical therapy around performance today. And so I, I think I want to just start with the basics. What is physical therapy? All right. So physical therapy is the study of movement, really. So physical therapists, in my mind, are the best trained medical practitioners to retain, maintain, improve movement. So that's really our focus across most all disciplines um, and pretty much, pretty much every discipline in physical therapy. And it requires some kind of movement assessment. So that's really what we do. And then you have to take into account the individual, where they're at in their community, their environment, what kind of injury they have, what kind of um, history they may have. So it becomes hopefully a very individual type of assessment and care plan. Cool, cool. cool. And what, what in the bigger scheme of things, um, 
how do you view physical therapy from a perspective of keeping an athlete moving, um, keeping us active overall? So that's my day in and day out is exactly that question. So for me, it starts with assessing movement. How is somebody activating their muscles? What's their range of motion like? How do they move through space? And that's where I draw on my mechanical engineering degree to some, some piece of it because I'm looking at the forces. And if somebody's moving and every time they run, they're side bending a little bit, well, that force has to go somewhere and that's probably where it hurts. So that's, that's where I start is, how is somebody moving? Are they symmetrical? With somebody who's walking, running on their feet more than cyclists or swimming, can they balance on one leg? That's really, really important because running and walking is at some moment you're on one leg. Mm -hmm. And if they can't do that, then I have to figure out why. So we start with the movement assessment and then I figure out, well, is, are they moving poorly or not so efficiently because of a mobility or range of motion issue? And that may be their hips are really tight or their ankles are really tight. And then we start with that. And then, then we can add strengthening or corrective exercises. But if somebody doesn't have the, uh, the um, appropriate mobility, they'll never get past the point they want to. They'll always run up against something. So for me, it's really going back to maybe injuries that happened 20 years ago, 25 years ago. It could be a long time ago. So asking a really good history and keep asking the questions because people forget. And then maybe the third visit, they're like, oh, I do remember. I fell out of a tree when I was five and <laughs> something, and that helps. So injury, we, we're great compensators as humans. So even as a small child, someone will fall or do something that knocks them off alignment somehow. And then we compensate and we figure out a different way to move, but probably not the best way to move, just different. Mm -hmm. And over time, those compensations build and we have compensations upon compensations. So finally, something gets our attention and we break. Something hurts bad enough that you just can't fail or the road or in the pool. Something is just too much. And that's the, the chronic issues I see, especially with endurance athletes who can push through a lot until they just can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's extraordinary. So um, patient history is really core to this as well, correct? It is very, very important. Patient history and all the way back, people may think, well, my surgery when I was an infant didn't really matter. It could matter because we build scar tissue and that can affect how somebody moves. So I try to get as much of a history as possible, um, even strains, ankle sprains, things that people don't think are in high school or and it's a long time since then or um, our C-sections from pregnancies. There's so many things that could contribute to how somebody moves. And then we add in confounding factors. Um, do they have an autoimmune problem, um, and a neurologic, underlying neurologic issue, medications, um, even some medications can affect our tissue, our, our tendon strength. So it's really important to know current medications for sure, but then also just that long history 
of what and what happened first? That's always a question I like to ask people. What injury do you remember first in your life? Because that's probably when the compensations started. And if we can get back to that point and actually work on that issue, then the other ones tend to resolve much faster. That's amazing. I didn't realize how far back you have to reach, which actually kind of lends to one question that we had was, what's the, what, when a person comes in to see you, it sounds like there's some key things you like them to be able to share with you straight up yeah. before you even get started. Yes, pretty much what I just mentioned, their history and, and then currently what's going on, what makes their symptoms worse, what makes them better, what have they tried in the past, did it work, did it not work, and maybe what concurrently they're trying. A lot of people come in and they're, they're seeing an acupuncturist, they're seeing a chiropractor, they're getting massage, they're trying other things as well, just trying to get some relief and move forward from where they are. Yeah. Wow. Becca, I thought you had a great question on what um, Nina covers and does. Do you want to share that? Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about the specific uh, modalities and techniques that you do. Sure. So the, um, the assessment modality that I use is called, the abbreviation is SFNA, Sequential Functional Movement Assessment. And it's very thorough and it's not looking necessarily individually at each area right off the bat. It's looking more at how somebody moves as a whole. How does their whole body rotate? How does their whole body extend, flex, squat? Looking at sort of the major movement patterns and then narrowing down from there and what hurts and what is just bad movement but doesn't hurt. And if it's bad movement and it doesn't hurt, that's a great place for me to start so that I'm not adding more injury or insult to the injury. I'm just trying to treat what maybe caused the problem. And the way I treat is, the way I address that is with a technique called active release technique or ART. And that's a copyrighted modality. It's a soft tissue technique that's very, very specific. And it's all about our, our hands and what we feel um, for the tissue tension, its texture. I can tell if uh, something's been a chronically tight or if it's more of an acute tightness. I know what structure I'm on, so it's a big uh, knowledge of anatomy as well, is what specific ligament is causing the problem or muscles or m muscles not being able to slide past other muscles. So that way I can treat the limitations in movement or mobility. So that's ART. And then I follow that up and there's lots of different myofascial techniques. Um, some people use tool assisted uh, myofascial technique, um, massage of course is one. Uh, some people use the, uh, what the acupuncturists call cups and what physiotherapists or PTs cause, call myofascial decompression cups and it's just a way to work the tissue. So there's lots and lots of myofascial techniques. And then I follow that up with corrective exercises. So how can we train the brain? So if you're used to every time you load your leg when you're running, every time you land, if your hamstrings are firing first, but not the glutes or the core, you're gonna end up with a chronic hamstring tightness or strain potentially. So I work on exercises to try to correct the sequencing of how muscles fire, which one fires at what time. And you, we can't think it, it's way too slow. 
if you're out there running or in a sport, you have no time to think through all that. So the corrective exercises ideally get the central ner nervous system to start acting the way it should, the way we were when we developed from crawling up to, to walking, et cetera. So a lot of my exercises start on the ground in almost a crawling position or rolling position even, and we build up from there. So sometimes we have to go way back in development and kind of reset the nervous system so that we move the way we were born to move, literally. Interesting, almost like intuitive movement. Yes, yes. And there are certain reflexes that we used as babies to start moving better and get our core strength. And so sometimes utilizing some of those reflexes that we as adults can overcome, but sometimes it, I can use those to get at, to trace back and, and actually get someone to move a little bit better. Yeah. Is there any uh, particular patient population or type of condition that ART is best suited for? Healthy, healthy tissue, for sure. Um, it works the best on people who are active, who eat a fairly healthy diet and are hydrated in general. Um, that works the best. I have used it though on people that are not those, don't, don't fit into that category and still have results. But it's, it's definitely for anybody who's active, really regardless of age, I've done some ART on eight-year-olds up to 90-year-olds. And I just wow. scale the tension and, and the pressure appropriately for the individual so that it's very tolerable and we're not injuring sure. skin or anything like that. Ooh, sure. Oh, and as far as other modalities, Becca, um, yeah. there's also KT tape, kinesio tape, uh, that a lot of people like to use, and I'll use that um, for lymphatic if there's swelling, so somebody's had an acute injury. Um, I'll use it for okay. the neuromuscular kind of re-education that we were talking. So say someone's moving their shoulder and every time they move their arm, they use their upper trap. I might use the tape to inhibit that upper trap and actually facilitate the lower trap that should be firing instead. Um, and then you also use tape for structure to protect joints and to keep us from moving into a position that hurts. So tape is another, of course, really good modality. Um, there are lasers uh, that can be helpful with um, acute situations as well. So anyway, there's, there's a lot out there. Um, and those are the ones I mostly use. What, yeah. what drew you to ART as opposed to all these other different kind of options? that uh, physical therapists could specialize in and learn about? For soft tissue options? Yeah. I would say yeah, act active release, the specificity okay. and the exactness of what structure I'm actually putting my hands on, I, I did not learn until, and I'm learning more every day. I feel like I'm better today than I was two months ago. Um, it's all about what we feel with our hands and what structure we're actually on. And then as the person's moving their, say they're moving their shoulder and it's like, ah, my shoulder hurts. The problem's right here. And then I put my hands around there. I'm like, yeah, that's where you feel it. But the problem is actually somewhere else. And so it's all about touch. And I think ART really, really focuses on fine tuning and improving our ability to feel and exactly what structure is stopping that motion of the shoulder, and then can I release it? And then move to the next one, because there's usually a little bit of an onion peeling where you release one structure and then something else shows up. 
she is really good at figuring out where that problem actually is, y'all. She can just zero in on that one spot, let me tell you. Yeah. So it sounds like your background in mechanical engineering has really informed your physical therapy practice. Was there anything, any specific moment or any that's kind of brought you from one to the next? I'm a career changer myself, so I'm always interested in people's stories. Uh, so what, what, say that question again. Uh, sounds what, like you're one to the other. Yeah, kind of what, I know you really draw on that background in mechanical engineering, but what really, was there any particular moment or kind of what was that path from um, engineering to? There was a moment. <laughs> um, and with a lot of physical therapists, especially those who choose to go into uh, sports or orthopedics, um, we had an injury and I had an injury and a friend said, you should go see this PT and she specializes in foot and ankle and biomechanics, which is where my issue was. And I had never met anybody like that. And I thought, well, this is great. She gets to put everything together that I love, the problem solving, the coaching, the keeping people moving. And that was my moment. So I was okay. like, yeah, I, I got to do this. I got to switch. I got to make a difference. That's yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. That is amazing. And you said you've been doing this for about 25 years. I think it's more than that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's pretty impressive. I didn't realize the implications of prior injuries and impact on the body. And I guess one of the things that just strikes me over your comment, it's almost, should we come to you? So here's my question, before we have an injury. Yeah, so I'm actually seeing quite a few parents because they had an injury and they end up bringing their middle school or high school aged athletes to me to assess how they move to prevent that. And it is very, that can be very, very helpful because we lose our movement. You, if you think about a two year old, they squat perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's the most perfect squat. And then you look at a five-year-old and they're like all bendy and all over the place and their squats aren't so good. And so as we grow, we lose sometimes our ability to move well. And younger people usually don't hurt that much or if they hurt, they get over it very quickly. Mm -hmm. Unlike someone over the age of 30, it takes a little bit longer and longer and longer as we get older. So I think preventative can be very helpful. Um, and then on the, the other side of that, I see folks who don't hurt, but they're interested in performance care. So they may have come to me initially because they did have an injury or something was bothering them, but now they're like, I want to move better. So I'm working with an Olympic hopeful now who he want, he has certain times he has to reach and performance he needs to reach if he's going to make that team. And so I'm helping him get there. And by improving how he moves, by improving his mobility, even something as simple as getting his posture, so his neck loosened up so his posture's better, he can engage his whole core and hips better than prior. And he's, um, he's got a lot more power now in his running, his sprinting. So it's, it's pretty interesting working and sort of more for performance. That is so cool. I, I'm going to say this. I should probably bring my son who's a gymnast. Oh. You. Yeah, because just the amount of pounding they go through. Yeah, the um, repetition. Yeah. and yeah. yeah. But 
that is fascinating. So really preventative work can be done with you as well. Um, yeah, the number one reason for injury is previous injury. So if there's anything to one, avoid the first injury or two, make sure that first injury is really rehabbed. And myself, I had ankle sprains right and left <laughs> all during high school. I never really did that much rehab and college and really did not do that much rehab for it till afterwards. Interesting. Wow. Um, I, I'm learning so much. Thank you. Becca, <laughs> <laughs> what other kinds of questions do you have right now? Um, so I guess um, kind of moving into a little bit more of that corrective exercise kind of stuff. What can I do? What could I do to be a good PT patient? What would be, what are some characteristics that your ideal patients are going to the best outcomes share? Once I've seen you and we've had a discussion, I've worked on you, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't do what keeps hurting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really hard one for runners, especially. Um, Sometimes swimmers, it's like, ah, just go a little slower. Right. Yeah. Oh, Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm looking at both of you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is our, our mentality to okay, try so and fill it out, right? And yeah. it's important to keep moving. I, I, the idea of stopping and just resting for a long period of time is not necessarily the answer. And so my idea with the correctives is to get people back doing what they want to do as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But if you keep re, uh, repeating that cycle that's causing the hip pain or the knee pain, then we can't really get ahead of it. So if the runner says, okay, I will hike for three weeks instead of running and we'll get ahead of it, then hopefully then they're running even further and faster mm -hmm. or whatever period of time it is. Um, but if the movement pattern is such that every time that person hits the five mile mark, their, their hips give out and their knee starts hurting, then they shouldn't run five miles yet, but I'm okay if three miles don't hurt. So I, I want to keep people moving, but we don't want to keep re-aggravating, re-injuring where we're just spinning our wheels and not moving forward. That is a hard line to figure out, a fine line to figure out, like, between movement and then overdoing it. What advice do you have for the athlete? Joint pain is not good. So if, you're, if you feel joint pain in the ankle or the knee or the hip and it's really in the joint, don't keep going. Because joints don't do well if you keep aggravating them. If it's more of a muscle tightness mm -hmm. and it warms up and it, or it's, it aches but it doesn't get worse during the run, that's probably okay. If it's tendon pain, like Achilles tendon, and it gets worse and worse through the run, they shouldn't be doing that. It, it just doesn't heal very quickly with the uh, continued stress on it. You so need I to stop, say, basically. Yeah, stop, or, or walk, or do something that doesn't aggravate it. Got so it. Uh, joint pain and tendon pain, and the tendons are where the muscles attach to the bones. And the most obvious for, or, or um, common for a runner is Achilles pain. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the one to be more concerned with than anything. With a swimmer, it would be more the shoulder 
supraspinatus tendon. So shoulder pain, impingement, that joint pain when they raise their arm, it's like, ah, it hurts right on top. That's not a good one to push through. So given that we all want to get back out there as soon as possible, is there anything else that you would generally want to couple along with physical therapy to help speed that process? You read my mind. I was just thinking that. Yes. So if it's, um, it depends what the problem is. Everybody's so individual. So that's where the history and knowing what's going on with that person medically otherwise is helpful as well. So some medications can add to tendon pain. So we just got to make sure that's not a piece of it, in which case I'd refer back to the physician on that sure. one. Um, acupuncture can be very helpful for some people, especially if they have underlying issues, autoimmune or any other issue that's not just straight musculoskeletal. Um, that can help. So our system, our really our, our endocrine system rules the roof. So if something's off with our hormones or our endocrine system, that can affect everything we do. So kind of looking into that too, folks who have any um, thyroid or um, that's not thyroid issues that aren't managed well or diabetes is not man managed well, that can really affect tissue as well. So it's very specific uh, for that individual. Some people go get a massage. You are, your tissue is so tight. You need just to get some, some flushing and get some fascial work. Um, so that could be really helpful. Some people do really well with chiropractic. Some people don't. So I think it's really individual. I hate to say, oh, everyone should do these five other things. Right. Some people I'm like, no, don't do anything. And other people I'm like, yeah, here's a card. Go here. here <laughs> go talk to this person and let's get a team for you. Mm -hmm. uh, nutrition, of course, is huge. So yeah. I'll be referring more people to you now, Becca. <laughs> 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 Happy to have them. <laughs> so, so, sounds uh, like just like you need to look beyond right where the pain is. You totally need to look beyond, beyond the musculoskeletal yeah. system and make sure the whole body is healthy. Our, yeah, our musculoskeletal system is made up of cells. And so what's yeah. feeding the cells? What are all the pieces that go into that cellular uh, generation and regeneration? And is there anything that's impeding on that? That's super insightful. I, I don't think we are as attuned um, to all the things that impact our ability to keep moving. I it, would agree. Just, yeah. just to hear you say it's it's not just how your tissue is. Your your tissue could be impacted by being diabetic. I mean, yes. that's just, in, although that's intuitive, I think until you're really having that conversation, I don't think it strikes people or your nutrition which if you're doing performance, you're going to anticipate that that person is really tight on nutrition, really focused on hydration. Um, and hydration, for those of us in Colorado, it's very difficult. Um, it's so dry, we don't realize we're losing moisture. Water by itself is generally not enough. Becca, you can chime in on this one. Yeah. Electrolytes are really helpful for most people. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's yeah. hydration is huge. And if, when people get dehydrated and they're training those long, hot runs, that's when their muscles will tend to stick together. Wow. And so if two muscles are supposed to be sliding past each other as you're running and they're not anymore, that's going to create pain. And it's really hard to come back. Um, you're not going to recover nearly as well if you do let yourself get to that point during a long, hot ride or run. Yeah. Um, it takes a while. 
it takes a while to not just um, recover from the deficit in fluids, but just I think to for your body to bounce back and be ready to go again. Yeah, and yeah, we don't know the exact mechanisms um, of kind of how electrolytes affect muscle cramping and things like that, but I'm sure we know that we lose salt and things with our sweat um, along with the water. So it's absolutely important to replace all of that when you're out there for a long time in this heat. And sodium is required for the sodium channels for muscle contraction. Yeah. yeah. If you're sweating, it's required, it's, for, it's required for nerves to fire. I mean, there's yeah. just so many places where that could have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, Unless something pops in your head, Becca, I think I'd like to ask Nina if there's some like core takeaways she'd like us to walk away from this conversation on. My biggest takeaway or for that I'd like people is to one, have hope and don't give up. Mm. That's probably the number, number one. Um, as with any practitioner, you may have to go through a few until you find the right fit. So if you've, uh, people come to me and they've seen two, three other physical therapists and they're like, ah, I just didn't get where I wanted and I didn't get as far. And it really depends on the individual and the individual practitioner and what they have to offer. So I think that's the number one thing is don't give up. Mm -hmm. um, two, look around at other practitioners to help, other dis disciplines to help as well. And thinking about our nutrition and our medications and our just overall health and is there something there that could use a boost or use some fine tuning. Um, rest, sleep, that's huge as well. I didn't even talk about that one earlier. Um, so I think- How does sleep impact all of this? Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Well, tell, uh, tell everyone a little bit more about that. Oh, about sleep? Sleep, sleep yeah. in your musculoskeletal system, yeah. So you can't recover for one. Um, serotonin is huge with for sleeping um, so we're getting into the, some hormones again and um, neurotransmitters and if that whole process isn't working then we don't get to our REM sleep and then we don't create growth hormone or generate more growth hormone which helps our tissues regenerate and heal so if you don't get that deeper levels of sleep or enough of it your tissue just cannot heal or recover so people think they can run on four hours of sleep. I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. But you have to talk to a sleep yeah. expert to really get the, the, the down low on all of that. Yeah. I think we definitely should bring somebody in to talk about sleep. Because it's yeah. just the implications. Just from your comment, the implications are significant. Um, how the body responds with the lack of sleep. Sleep yeah. exercise can help a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, they can certainly promote, or at least exercise can help with insulin production if somebody's type 2, going back to diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, insulin sensitivity, so yeah. that mm -hmm. exactly. what they are producing is working as it should. Exactly. Exercise can help diminish some anxiety, some levels of depression. So there's lots of things that exercise and sleep, especially combined together, can help that just medications by themselves probably won't solve the issue completely. And of course, then we're getting into the whole other realm of psychotherapy and all that, but, um, but uh, not today, but, but not today. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so one other quick question, how can people reach you? 
um, or find out more about what you do? Uh, certainly my website, so www.fuelingyou.com or my email, Nina, uh, nina.fuelingyou at gmail.com. Perfect. All right. And I'll make a point to post that as well in the description for this podcast so that people can reach out to you. Um, Becca, anything else? Otherwise, I'm going to say thank you to Nina for the time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. you. taking the time to join us. Yeah, it was fun. Nita, I'm definitely going to yell at you on a horse tooth now. <laughs> I'll be the one cheering and honking my horn. Well, I'm thrilled to hear it, too. Wow. So much wisdom there. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you took away as much of it, much from that as we did. The big thing that struck me was how she looks at the person as a holistic unit. She looks at um, history all the way back to childhood um, and how people move their bodies through space. Um, looks not just at the injured body part, but at other body parts. And what's even going on in other organ systems? you know, endocrine things like thyroid disease, like diabetes, um, mental health things like depression can all impact our tissues and how they respond. You know, and it was super fascinating to me too to hear about how childhood injury can come back decades later and have an impact on how you move your body as an adult athlete. I think what was also fascinating to me was just the fact that as performance athletes, as regular people, we tend to try to work through the pain. And one of the takeaways from Nina that I thought was fascinating is her comment that if it's in your joint, in any joint on the body, and you're in pain, go get help. Do not try to work through it. If it is a tendon pain, like for example, your Achilles tendon, and it's painful, go get help. Do not try to continue to work through it and try to continue to perform because that just sends you towards a bigger injury. So I thought that was a great observation by her. And what else did yes. you pick up? Yeah, so kind of along those lines, you know, what I heard was probably what I wanted to hear, <laughs> which is, you know, keep moving. Don't be afraid to get out there and move even when you're injured, um, whether it means cutting back a little bit on your normal activity and continuing with it if that's possible, whether it means finding other alternative activities while that injury heals. Um, she did stress the importance too of continuing to move your body as you are able, which I thought was really great. <laughs> I think that was really uplifting. And I think um, the important piece from all of this and the thing that really resonated with me is her one core comment where she said, do not lose hope there is always a way to recover. You heard that from Becca. The reason that Becca found Nina in the first place is she had come close to losing hope that she could recover from an injury. And it's finding that one therapist that really resonates with you is where you wanna go. And so with that, I think this was a great session. Thanks to Nina Patterson for coming and speaking with us about um, all things physical therapy. Thanks to Becca Bloomberg for bringing her to our attention. And I'm so excited she's going to be here with me hosting the show moving forward. And thank you guys for hanging in there and listening to us today. 
Um, with that, our next broadcast is going to are going to be focused on adventures. So stay tuned. We've got a 14er coming that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, We've got yeah. how to run a thousand miles. We'll be sharing that with you as well. This is going to be fun. So till then, have a great week and thank you for being with us.